Today on Ag News Daily. And growing up, you know, we both saw our parents struggle. And, you know, if you have a drought year as a farmer and a rancher, there's a lot of ups and downs in that. And even my father had his own business to support the farm and ranch. Good afternoon and welcome to a hump day episode of the Ag News Daily Podcast. It's Ashton Carr here, ready to talk some weather. You know, earlier this week, I was telling Delaney that I did not want to talk about weather just yet because I was a little bitter that we were going to be getting some really harsh cold temperatures this week, possibly some snow and wintry mix. And it's finally struck Lubbock. It uh, feels like nine degrees outside, according to my weather app, and I can definitely see the snow accumulating on the sidewalk right here by my apartment. Doesn't look like anything's really sticking to the roads just yet, which has me a little bit worried about icy conditions early tomorrow morning. So I'm going to need this to um, clear up here pretty quickly because I don't do well in this kind of weather. Your typical Texan can't really drive in the snow or ice. I get really nervous and scared. I am definitely one of those people. So Midwesterners, please don't judge me. But I do have some news that I want to talk about today, and one of those things is really what we're going to see for 2022. You know, we've been talking a ton here in the first part of the year about what we're going to see in 22, you know, logistical issues, things that farmers should be worried about. But um, we've finally seen some data come through that is backing up some of these expectations. According to the latest Purdue University slash CME Group Ag Economy Barometer, farmers are less optimistic about current conditions in the ag industry. Jim Minart, who's the director of the Purdue Center for Commercial Agriculture, was quoted as saying, producers are telling us that 2022 looks like it's going to be a much lower income year than 2021, and that's despite the fact that we're looking at some pretty high commodity prices. So people are concerned about the rise in the costs of inputs, especially on the crop side, but across the board. Now, nearly 60% of farmers surveyed expect farm income prices to rise by 20% or more in 2022, and 34% of producers said that they expect prices to rise by 30% or more. Minor says that farmers are also concerned about availability of inputs. About 30% of producers surveyed expressed difficulty accessing at least one crop input. The overall barometer declined six points to 119. The index of current conditions fell 13 points to 133. And the index of future expectations held steady about 112. So I think that we really have a a mixed bag here on what things are going to look like when it comes to supply chain disruptions, input costs, um, what commodities are really going to bring this year. And honestly, it's just kind of a waiting game. We're going to have to wait this out, see what comes. You know, that's really how time works. I'm not sure if you guys knew that, but that's how time works. We're just going to have to wait it out and see what happens here. The next piece of news that I have is coming out of Russia as their inflation has gone up to 8.82% ahead of Sinbank rate meetings. Consumer inflation in Russia has accelerated to that 8.82% in year-on-year terms as of January 28th, and it's the highest it's been since early 2016. This, of course, adds pressure on the central bank to opt for a larger rate increase next week. 
The central bank is expected to raise its key interest rate by a hefty 100 basis points to 9.5% on February 11th as inflation, which it targets at 4%, shows little signs of slowing. We've also seen a a buildup of Russian military around the Ukraine, and there's still a lot of heavy tension there. So we'll continue to see what comes out of Russia when it comes to inflation and trade and the markets and tensions. There's really just a lot going on over there, and we're going to be keeping our eyes out on that as the story really develops here. Moving things down to a warmer South America, JBS South America has agreed to pay $52.5 million to settle litigation accusing meatpacking companies of conspiring to limit supply in the $63 billion a year U.S. beef market in order to inflate prices and boost profit. This preliminary settlement by the Brazilian company and its U.S. units with so-called direct purchasers was disclosed earlier on Tuesday and is the first in nationwide antitrust litigation over beef price fixing. Lawyers for the purchases called the accord an icebreaker and an excellent recovery, citing JBS's $24.5 million settlement in 2020 of price fixing claims by pork purchasers. JBS's lawyers did not immediately respond earlier today for requests to comment. That's really just the latest coming out of the beef market and coming from JBS. Like many things that we're really reading here today, there's still a lot going on, a lot that needs to be settled, and a lot of unanswered questions. Now, folks, we're kind of going back in time here and talking about the right to repair legislation. We talked about this in 2021, about mid to late 2021, and it's coming back around as this week, U.S. Senator John Tester introduced his Agriculture Right to Repair Act, which would finally guarantee farmers the right to repair their own equipment and end current restrictions on the repair market. Tester said, I've been a farmer my whole life, and I've seen the unfair practices of equipment manufacturers make it harder and harder for folks to work on their tractors themselves, forcing them to go to an authorized mechanic and pay an arm and a leg for necessary repairs. The full text of Tester's legislation can be found online, but the highlights are that it tackles consolidation in the repair market specifically by requiring equipment manufacturers to make available any documentation, part, software, or tool required to diagnose, maintain, or repair their equipment, provide means to disable and re-enable an electronic security lock or other security-related function to affect diagnostics, repair, or maintenance, Permit third-party software to provide interpretability with other parts slash tools and to protect both the farmer's data and equipment from hackers. There's a couple of other highlights here that includes ensuring that when a manufacturer no longer produces documentation, parts, software, or tools for its equipment that the relevant copyrights and patents are placed in the public domain, ensure that parts are replaceable using commonly available tools without causing damage to the equipment or provide specialized tools to owners or independent providers on fair and reasonable terms, and return data ownership to farmers. Manufacturers currently collect and sell all the data generated by farmers, and this data is the farmer's secret sauce for how they conduct their business. The legislation will also empower the FTC to treat any violations of the above provisions as an unfair or deceptive act. 
and also grants the FTC authority to promulgate regulations necessary to carry out this bill. But folks, that's really all the news that I have to talk about today. So I'm going to go ahead and hop into the markets here. As we saw corn and wheat fall back as soybeans had some strength today. Kicking things off in the March corn contract here, down 12 and a quarter to close at 622 and a half. The May down 11 and a half cents to close at 622 and a quarter. In soybean strength, like I said here, as the March contract closed 16 and three quarter cents higher at 1545 and a quarter. The May closing at 15 and a quarter cents higher at 1549 and a half. In KC wheat, the March contract was down 16 and three quarter cents to close at 7.69 and a half. The May up, the May down 16 cents to close at 7.73 and a quarter. In livestock, we saw some strength in the cattle markets here as the April live cattle was up a dollar 52 and a half to close at 146.90. The June up a dollar 65 to close at 141.62 and a half. Feeder cattle continued green across the screen here as the March contract was up $3.17.5, close at $166.87 and a half. The April up $267.5 to close at $171.82.5. In lean hogs, the April contract was up $1.45 to close at $99.12.5. The May up $1.12.5 to close at $103.05. Closing things out with our class three dairy milk futures. The March contract is up 13 cents, close at 21.48. The April up 15 cents, close at 21.64. And with that, I am going to kick things over to my interview about Wild Calf Coffee. Today, we're talking to Sarah Harmon, who is the owner of Wild Calf Coffee. And I'm very excited to talk to you today, Sarah, as a coffee lover. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And I'm excited that you're a coffee lover. So before we get started talking about Wild Calf here, I want to get a little bit of background on you because you have a farming slash ranching background, and I'm excited to talk to you about the story of Wild Calf and all of those good things. So why don't we get a little bit of background on you first? Yeah, thanks. So I grew up on a farm ranch near Wilston, North Dakota, right on the border of Montana, and North Dakota. And so my husband also grew up near um, Bainville, Montana on a farm ranch. So um, we both wanted to start something that had us, you know, our backgrounds involved in it. And coffee was already a part of our passion. Um, and growing up, you know, we both saw our parents struggle. And, you know, if you have a drought year as a farmer and a rancher, there's a lot of ups and downs in that. And even my father had his own business to support the farm and ranch and many other people. We saw that growing up. They, you know, had to do other things to support their farm and ranch to make that lifestyle that they loved um, able to, you know, do that. And that was the fun opportunity. Um, so once we were thinking about names, that was part of what we wanted. We both had that unique experience nowadays of having that lifestyle growing up with that, watching um, calves be born and not everyone gets to experience that. And so you guys moved away from the farm ranch life and actually moved to Seattle. So 
is that where the idea for a wild calf was born? Tell me about that experience a little bit and how it kind of plays into the wild calf story. So we both graduated from MSU and we found positions. Dustin, my husband found a job at Boeing and then I started teaching out there. And so we lived there for 10 years and we actually didn't even like coffee when we moved out there. It was just nothing we really thought about drinking. Um, then as soon as we moved out there, everyone was like, you have to have coffee, try this coffee. And so we started, you know, trying coffee and we realized that, Hey, this doesn't taste like what our grandparents made. This is really good. And this is different. And then we tried coffee at other places. Cause that was the, in that time in 2001, um, coffee was a craze in Seattle and really popular. So we got the experience to try different coffee and we're like, why does this taste different at this place versus a different store? And it just drew our curiosity and what was behind it. And having that farming, ranching, we, it also helped because we're like, oh, this, you can have different coffee in different regions and different types of flavor notes. And then it was something just to kind of get our minds off of work on the weekends. We'd go to coffee shops, we'd try different coffee and connecting with friends is what coffee is about too, building relationships. And that's what we found ourselves doing. And before you knew it, we had an espresso machine in our house and we were making lattes and having people over and just enjoying that opportunity and learning out there. And in 2011, we found an opportunity to move back home to you know where we're from here. And we took that opportunity and we didn't right away think of starting a coffee company. We just thought, oh, there's not much out here. We searched for kind of what we were used to, a good, fresh cup of coffee for many years. And we were um, actually getting in beans from our favorite place in Seattle. And we'd always think, why are we doing this? Why we need to do this ourselves? And so we looked into the possibility of roasting coffee. We went to some different trainings about roasting coffee. And finally, we just decided in 2018, let's just do this. Let's just start our own coffee company because we love good coffee. We love fresh coffee. And we would love to have the opportunity to see if other people, what they would think about this. So I want to talk a little bit more about the details of coffee because you have some blog posts on your website that are pretty interesting talking about harvest and flavor and how those things can be impacted due to, you know, outside circumstances. So let's get a little bit technical here so I can learn a little something too. Yes, definitely. Coffee, there's a lot to it. I'm always learning more about it and you can get really detailed in the nuance, nuances of it. Um, you know, for instance, Brazil just had a hard year. We had a really hard time getting in as many different types of coffee from Brazil. They had uh, they had a frost, they had some extreme weather conditions. And so we're always kind of watching those things to see what coffees and even uh, Colombia had some unrest there. So it was uncertain if we were gonna get different coffee beans from Colombia for a while. And now Ethiopia is experiencing different um, situations there. And so it's those things as well as um, environmental things, you know, droughts, frosts that can ruin a crop that we're trying to pay attention to. We currently have eight different countries. We um, buy our coffee through an importer and they have many different places that we can choose from. And then they get shipped to us on a pallet. And so we get a man about every month, we get 11 huge bags of coffee in. 
And then we roast about three times a week right now as necessary. We try to keep our roast really fresh. We want people to experience that. We find that that's really important. We don't want the coffee to go stale. All of these coffees that we get are actually called specialty grade coffee. It's not, it's just kind of like a different market market. And so we are a specialty, specialty coffee roaster. And so we don't add anything into our coffee. You may have heard of that before, where you can get a coffee that has like a hazelnut flavoring in it. That's on the coffee itself. We don't add any syrups or anything to our coffee. It's just how it's processed, how it's grown in those countries, where it's at, shade grown, soil, all the different factors that come into place that they are doing there. Um, And then we try to roast it so that we get those natural flavors. So you probably have seen, since you're a coffee lover, that coffee will have flavor notes on the sack. Like it might say cocoa, sweet, um, and that's the type of flavor notes that we want to try to get out. And so we don't want our coffee to be bitter. We don't, we want it to be smooth and we want to get those natural flavors. We had a coffee in for a while from Ethiopia that actually had a blueberry, a little hint of blueberry in it that you could taste. And it's just how the coffee seeds sit in the fruit and get in that natural flavor before they're washed away from their fruit. That's so interesting. I always wondered how you could taste just a little bit. One of my favorite coffees has a little bit of a a coconut flavor. And Mm -hmm. I always wondered how that was possible. (laughs) Yeah. And so some coffees, they will pull them off and they'll wash them off right away. And they won't have maybe as many different notes. They'll have some, they might still have some interesting characteristics, but not maybe a fruity and then sometimes they're sit, sitting in and theirs are called natural and they're sitting in the fruit for longer. And then there's even coffee that is honey processed and they're sitting for longer periods of times in what they call the mucilage of the fruit. And they get in some really sweet and unique characteristics. And we do have one in right now that is like that. It's a honey process from Costa Rica. Um, we always try to look for those fun things. And sometimes, you know, we look at the price points too, to see what people will want in our area. So where can people go and buy some of your products? Are you guys in stores or it just or is it just a, a website basis? No, we um, do have a website and we do a subscription on our website so you can get our coffee as often as you would like it. But we also just recently this fall got into all Murdoch's ranch and supply stores. There's 34 of them in Montana, Colorado, Wyoming, Nebraska, Idaho. And you can find our coffee there. There's, we have all of our blends and there's some fun names. So we have the Morning Kick, Cattle Barons Reserve, Five Wire. And um, we also have Run Wild. And we did just receive an award from the Montana governor at the beverage show this August on our coffee for the best in, in the show. And then... We also have our coffee in Reynolds grocery stores. They're all five of them in Eastern Montana. And then, you know, Central, there's little stores in Central Montana, Eastern Montana, Western North Dakota, little um, stores that sell our coffee. And we're always looking for other places to reach out to and get our coffee in different places so that other people can try. The fun experience of this whole thing that we didn't really go into expecting was People will come to us and be like, we didn't realize that we, what we were drinking wasn't, that it could be better. And sometimes my husband and I laugh about it because we think of growing up as with farmers and ranchers as parents and not always getting the ribeye or the tenderloin and 
realizing, oh, there's better steak. Well, there's also better coffee. And so it's kind of funny to think that, you know, a lot of people are surprised. They're like, now I can't go anywhere without wild calf. I want that good coffee and that freshness. And so it's been really fun to build that relationship and share this experience with people that we got to have. So kind of my final question here, Sarah, is going back to the agriculture component, because both you and your husband grew up in an agriculture environment, although it's different from, you know, the niche kind of market of coffee. So what was that learning curve like? What was that experience like, you know, moving from the farm and ranch side of things to a more niche part of agriculture? It was actually really nice to have that background. Um, Because, you know, we understood the whole farmers just they're diligent with everything that they do. And there's so much thought process in ranching and farming. And I guess we kind of it was nice because we made that connection with other farmers then in other countries that are trying to do the best they can. And there's so much learning still in other countries for coffee growers and to try to make something that is the best product that they can produce and they can get value out of. And so I think, I feel like it was really important for us and it, it's kind of what drove us into it as well. Cause the curiosity and we had some of that understanding of just from growing up with farming and ranching in our, in our households, in our lifestyle. Well, Sarah, it has certainly been a joy to get to know a little bit more about you and about wild calf. So thank you once more for coming back on and chatting with me. Yeah, thank you. We're excited to um, have this opportunity to talk to you and we look forward to letting you know what happens in the future. Thanks again there to Sarah from Wildcat for coming on and chatting with us about what that's like and, you know, the different parts of agriculture that sometimes go hand in hand. But folks, we're going to continue to have some great conversations here on the Ag News Daily podcast, as we always do. So be sure to tune in at agnewsdaily.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're at it, please do leave us a review and tell us what you're thinking on how we're doing with the show. With that, I'm going to let the people go.